With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back on another episode of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast. My name is Patrick Leary, joined by Sam Newberry, as always. Um, Marquette takes a... Um, Rodell. Rodell, a I was I was trying to come up with an adjective for it and like disappointing was like the word that came into my head and I mean, yeah, disappointing, but like um disappointing but not brutal. No, like a lot of factors to where um like in a week or two I'm going to be totally good with having lost this game. Um it sucks. Um if Marquette had had been able to run the table, um it would have been a real statement, I think, about their quality and, um, uh, you know, would have really showed the uh, selection committee um, that they uh, belong in those top three lines. Um, but, I, I, yeah, and, I mean, we can dive into it. There are a couple of factors um, that I would point to specifically uh, to, um, you know, maybe lessen the blow of last night's loss. But I guess, Sam, if you want to just share your general thoughts before I dig down into it. Sure. I mean, for anybody that follows me on Twitter, I got a lot of interaction last night with some of the Marquette fan base. Um, but more more than anything, like, let's look at the, the big numbers from last night. 18 turnovers. Absurdly bad. Yeah. Allowed 15 offensive rebounds. Absurdly bad. Yeah, and that's like... Like we're a turnover prone team, yeah. and we are not an offensive rebound allowing prone no. team. We're we're a top seventy ish um, offensive rebound defense team. Jermaine Samuels had to have the game of his career. We had to get yeah, uh, you know, I, I would argue that the the refs were miserable last night, but they by no means lost us the game. It was everything else. Like I think at one point I explicitly stated like you can't put the referees. You can't put yourself in a position where the referees are deciding the game. Yeah. And so, like, all of these, everything went wrong. We shot fine. Our efficient field goal percentage was actually very good. We only had six offensive rebounds. Um, you know, they had a 70% assist rate. Like, yeah. we only got one steal. They only turned the ball over seven times. I mean... Everything that could have possibly went wrong besides our shooting went wrong last night, yep. including the narratives of Nova's never lost three in a row before in conference. Yeah, Nova's falling in the seed lines because of their losing streak. Nova's no longer ranked. It's senior night at the Finn. Like, yeah. Every single narrative went against us, and we only lost by six on the road to the defending yeah. national champions. And only lost by six, but we're up by five with five minutes left and needed to go, go completely cold to lose. Yeah. Um, big thing that I just pointed out is for us, for them to only lose by six um, with uh, their worst turnover. It was their worst turnover percentage game of the season. Um, this team has had a lot of high 20 turnover percentage games, but... The 28.1 that they hung last night is the worst they've had all season. Which, for that to be the case, and for them to be in that game, and, um, you know, leading with five minutes left, I mean, Marquette's a really good team. And you can see that 
um, based on how many things cannot be going particularly well on a given night and how close they can be still. Um, the, yeah, I mean, the other extenuating circumstance that jumps to mind for me is the Jermaine Samuels game, which, yeah. I mean, nobody could have predicted that. He had more points last night than he's had in his previous 10 games, which is, like... Absurd. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how you... I don't even know how you would ever prepare for that, and it's such a shock to the system um, that it's completely understandable that, like you said, in a road game against the the other best team in the conference um, on senior night, and then some dude that is like like completely unlocks them as a team if he's contributing at all goes bananas for by far his best game of the season. It's just like okay, well that's a loss. You're not going to win that game. And honestly. Like, it took 29 points from him, um, and, you know, Nova wasn't good outside of him. It just, and you know, sometimes it just happens. Like, I would argue that Jermaine Samuels going absolutely wacky, which is something you can hardly plan for, and Marquette, otherwise Marquette beat themselves. Like, that, that, that's it. Phil Booth went a combined 3 of 18 from the floor, including 1 of 8 from 3. Eric Pascal went a combined two of nine from the floor and didn't make a three. Even Jermaine Samuels went five of 13 from three. Like, yeah, yeah he made five threes on 13 attempts. Nova That's shot crazy. 28% from beyond the arc. Yeah. It just, like I said, Nova wasn't good last night. Marquette beat themselves. Yeah, well, a couple of things that I thought Nova did do well, though, is I thought their defense was actually really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they were, um, you know, hassling ball handlers... Uh, was really impressive, um, and Marquette. A lot of Marquette's turnovers um, sort of amounted to Nova, you know, forcing them to speed up and um, not giving them much space to operate. Which you know, credit to Nova, they're they've been a bad defensive team this year for a lot of, in a lot of ways, um, but they really sort of came to play and came to guard yesterday. Um, That's the best defensive Nova effort we've seen in a while. Yeah, and the other thing you can say is that. They only turned the ball over seven times. Their you know, 11% turnover rate is really solid. Now, they're a team that um, doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much as Marquette does. Um, but, you know, they they well under-delivered their season turnover rate, and Marquette well over-delivered their season turnover rate. And a lot of times that can be the most important of the four factors um, because, yep. you know, turnovers can directly improve um, – uh, a lot of different uh, elements of the game based on how you sort of score off them. Um, yeah, uh, other thoughts? Um, I mean, so just globally, I think our first big point and maybe the big takeaway overall is that it's kind of a schedule L that things went even more badly than could have been predicted. Um, yep. And so it's like, okay, this was a great opportunity. Um but Villanova, and another thing you can say is Villanova, you know, you're saying, oh, Villanova's not good anymore. They've lost three straight. They've lost four or five. Like, they're not, they're, they're done. Um, you know, they're all on the road. Yeah. Like, they still haven't, they still have only uh, yeah. lost two home games all year, and the last one was November 17th. Yeah, against what, Penn? Uh, Furman. They lost to Penn oh, and the Palestra. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But no, they, they got waxed by Michigan and then lost to Furman. Um, in back-to-back games in the, you know, third week of November, basically. Yeah. Maybe second week of November. And haven't lost at home since. And haven't lost at home since. So it's like, and Vegas, I think, responded to that because I think Vegas was like, oh, 
the whole narrative here is that Nova sucks now, but all this is happening on the road. Let's wait to see they play an emotional home game and and you know what exactly like, what happened. It's it's one thing to like, like have to walk in there as a team looking for good wins to get mm-hmm. on the right side of the bubble. We are the number ten team in the nation. We are going to have a target on our backs. Yeah. Like as much as we're not used to it, we're going to have a target on our backs every game, no matter if even if it is at the five serve. Like yeah, every and, like I said, every single narrative in that game. Like, outside of what actually happened was against us. And then we played a... Yeah, Marquette wasn't phenomenal in that game. We played a really bad game. And we still only lost by six. Yeah. So, Captain Panic Button here saying, we're fine. It's fine. We're still a game up in the yeah. conference. Like, obviously pending the results of Sunday. But... Yeah, a couple of things uh, on the Marquette side. Um, the big man foul trouble hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, because not only is that giving... Nova opportunities at the free throw line. Um, but uh, when Matt Held is in there, God bless Matt Held, but also um, the uh, team's interior defense uh, is significantly diminished when you don't have the best shot blocker in the conference or springy rebound guy, uh, Ed Morrow, uh, yeah. in there. Um, you it, it takes a step back, and I thought Matt you know, held his own for what he was called upon to do in like a hostile environment but you know matt matt did matt stuff he he was a little bit slow he you know made a reverse layup when they ignored him he hedged hedged too hard on screen still dropped a couple of rebounds like you know he 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 did what he does and uh you know i thought he played fine but but again in a game you need if marquette's going to be you know at its very top percentile of how good it can be. Matt Helt, 10 minutes is too much, probably. Yeah. Um, we love our milkman, but... Yeah, no. And then Theo John, uh, only 13 minutes. I mean, that's a huge blow to, again, like I'm saying, Marquette's top end. Marquette's top end requires more than that out of Theo John. Um, I, another big thing that I think really hurt him was the the charge calls of Marcus Howard, um, a few of which I thought were actually one, semi-legit. One one was legitimate. Definitely the third one yeah. was legit. Or his the third air, foul, the, sec- yeah. the second charge. Right, yeah, second charge, third foul uh, was legit for the sure. The other two, iffy. Yeah, I don't... At best. I don't visualize the second one, except that I remember being angry about it. Um, the, the, the fourth one was Cremo kind of, you know, morphing in front of him, which I thought was, that was a bit the, weak. The, the second one was Eric Pascal, And, yeah. it, like, Marcus was... In the air for half a second before Pascal. That's right. Hard. That's right. Because I remember. Yeah. All right, I remember that now because that's the one where it's like I don't know why the basket doesn't count because the yeah. shot's been off of his hand before he hit him. Exactly. Um. But anyway. Um. Yeah. And I don't know, Marcus. Man. Uh. Dude is getting absolutely beat up, yeah. and I feel terrible for him because it's not really his fault. Like he's not playing terribly i mean seven turnovers isn't great but um he's had worse well, two than of that. those two of those turnovers were three crap well three of them were well, charges right. but two of them were crap, crap charges yeah <laughs> um yeah that's right all the charges don't help that turnover rate um but gosh i don't know he's just like i'm and you know all the writing around marcus talks about how he gets his body into condition so that he can absorb that kind of contact uh, and, you know, while I greatly appreciate that, um, I'm a little, I just like the wrist thing at the end of the game, like, which 
I mean, it, they were probably still going to lose at this point. But if he makes those two free throws, they have another chance at a three. And he clearly just, his wrist was not in good shape and he misses the first free throw. So it's like, like injuries like that are going to linger and also they're going to like affect the game. And I just I feel so bad for him because he's just small. So he just gets no. his butt kicked all the time and it's just really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, this is the part where I don't want to complain about the refs because the refs were miserable, and I think everybody watching that game understands that the refs were miserable. They weren't particularly good in either direction. Um, I'll even give Nova that. There was there was some not good calls on Nova, too. Um, but it really, like... The, I didn't hate them. I've hated refs more than yeah, I have. I agree. I, more than I anything, think I think... Awful. I More than anything, it was just the, the three charges on Marcus. Like, that were really, like, and we even agreed. Like, one was a charge. And, like, honestly, that's probably going to continue. Teams are going to see that and go, yeah, he's going to get those called. But it's more so, like, the refs completely whiffing the same type of situation where Marcus is already in the air shooting before the defender even gets there and still chart calling it that I'm miffed about. But if that's, like, if those two possessions don't happen, there's an argument that, Marcus, well, I mean, Marcus obviously probably doesn't sit for four minutes in the, down the stretch in the second half, and maybe Mark pulls ahead more. You don't, we don't know. It's it's all speculation, but that's the only really egregious thing I have to say about the refs is those two calls. And I mean, otherwise, it's there's going to be home cooking. There's going to be bad Big East refs. These are all known quantities, and yeah. um, I mean. In a, in a day and age where we love to complain about how Theo John is officiated, he was officiated pretty well for the most part last night. So Yeah, a couple of his fouls were bad choices by himself. Yes. Um, there was one, like, I think it might have been his second foul. I don't remember which, but there was a foul he committed where he, like, just, he jumped early. Yep. And it's like, dude, like, yeah. no, <laughs> you can't do that. Like, this is very simple. Like, I, and I you tweeted, cannot do that. I, said, I tweeted about that really quick, too, where I was like, Theo, we get that you're more athletic and bigger than everybody, but like the one part of the development that has yet to come from him mm-hmm. this year, as good as his development has been, has been some of the decision making where it's like, Theo, even if the guy's smaller than you, he can still box you out. Yeah. Like you're going to get that called every time. And so it's I mean, that that's nitpicking at this point. I think there is a, a couple positives, believe it or not, to take out of this. Um, um yeah, one more negative before we switch. <laughs> um Scar just didn't get in the game offensively, no. and it's he's not gonna he's not gonna score fifteen points a game. He doesn't do that. He's a hot and cold kind of scorer like that. But like I said, I think on the last podcast after he had a really good game, um, is this team goes to another level when he is contributing offensively, and he just wasn't there on the offensive end last yep. night. So I mean, uh, that like like if he'd been there offensively, I, they could have won that game because again that would have been like one other thing going their way that could have turned it because again this game was extremely close throughout and you know it is what it is though um the house brothers are playing better i don't know if that's where you wanted to go with your positives no i i was gonna say one positive is that marcus when he did have four fouls had to leave the game and the team held steady without him yeah um, especially mm-hmm. in a close hostile environment close Char- game hostile environment i thought chartuni played well last night chartuni was fine yeah like i mean we need chartuni to play like that every game yeah that's what we're getting like right here. that's like for him to give you those 10 minutes that's fine yeah. also the confidence on the shot was really good to see yes um i don't know if i want to see him take it a couple more times but i was i'm glad he just like had the confidence and he exactly he, he knocked it in yeah so i mean more than anything that um and then 
Uh, I mean, I guess the only other positive I have to take from this is that we're st- like I said, we're still a game up in conference. Um, we have Creighton at home and Georgetown at home, plus Seton Hall sandwiched in between on the road. Like those are all winnable games. Conference title is not shot yet for the regular season. Um, the one seed is not shot yet just because this happened. Yeah. Um, so, like like I said, Captain Panic Button here saying we're fine. It's all fine. Like, I didn't expect – I expected this to be a blowout, and for our team to fight like they did and have everything happen and only lose by six, Yeah, I'm pretty impressed, to be quite honest. I, I think there is a – there is a – gear that this team still has to discover um where a lot of them can be firing on all cylinders at the same time and i think that they have maybe five games to find that um and i'm i'm fairly confident that they're going to the way that they're playing overall that they are in decent shape to figure something out um by um you know, tournament time, yeah. essentially. Um, so, again, I'm not super worried. Nope. Um, and uh, do you want to switch gears to go to Creighton Yeah, quickly? I mean, the only thing that we can do now is look forward. Um, and that looking forward is to Creighton on Sunday um, at home mm-hmm. uh, in the Pfizer. Is there a time on that game? Uh, oh, yeah, it is two. at 2 o'clock Central. Oh, weird timing. Uh, so, things to note about this. This is... Marcus dropped 53 on Creighton the last time we played, and then Sam Hauser got yeah. very, very lucky with the refs um, on the three-point attempt to send it to OT. Creighton was thought to be good the last time Marquette played them. Yeah, They, they are, are now known to not be. No, Noted not good Creighton. No, known, known to be not super good anymore, Creighton, yeah. who are one game over 500 against Division One opposition this year. Yep, they are one game over five hundred. They are uh, six and nine. Nice in conference. Nice. Um, and this is the so this is their only chance left to get a good win. I mean, they have Providence at home and DePaul at home after yeah. us. So, I think most um, people have left them for dead tournament wise, yeah, though, um, just because they needed to do so much better in the middle of the conference, and they really didn't. Yep. Uh, things to note: um, their defense is one twenty-two in the country, so. And their offense is 26 mm-hmm. in the country, so they're very, again, like we said last time, we talked about Creighton, very last year Marquette-esque. Um, biggest thing that they've discovered is that uh, the last time they played Nova, um, they played incredibly slow mm-hmm. against Nova and sent it to OT. It worked. And it, yeah, and it was effective. So things to note, um, I expect a similar strategy to be employed um, against us. Hmm. Um, things that are probably good, uh, they can't play defense. So, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> as long as we're hitting shots, I mean, they their effective field goal percentage is 288th in the nation. So as long as we're getting good looks. Defense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Their defensive effective field goal percentage is yeah. 288th in the nation. As long as we're getting good looks, our shots and our shots are falling, I don't have any concerns about this game. Yeah, I mean, basically... The concern you'd have is this is a team that could potentially just get extremely on foie, on. I was trying to say on in fuego, and I just whiff got got caught in my mouth. Um, on fire from three and really make it hard on teams. I mean, they have um, 
uh, four guys that rate nationally as decent three-point shooters. Um, Marcus Zagorowski um, has been battling a wrist injury in the second half of the season, and that has affected him uh, a little bit. I haven't watched Creighton play in maybe a week or two, so I don't know if that's still a problem for him. Not really. Um, yeah. I think he's back to starting. Uh, things to note, I think, from last time we played them, obviously it was the Wacky Marcus 53-point game, OT, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we shot... Marcus Marcus himself was 10 of 14 right. against Creighton. This is such a weird box score. Yeah. I hate it um, so much. Marquette shot 57% from three. Creighton shot 51% from three. Um, including Davion Mintz and Mitch Balak, each making five. Um, yeah, Balak was Balak was just kicking him down. Yeah. And then, uh, God, I can never pronounce his last name. Crample? Him. Yes. Um, Crample. That's right. I thought it was like Crampleish or something. Whatever. I always get names wrong anyway. I'm I, used to, I used to think it was an I, not uh, an L, so I would say Crampage, and then I heard crample and i was like why and then i was like oh that's not so he was anyway he was uh 13 of 14 from the free throw line uh so i mean it's really just those things where it's like don't foul crample a bunch and yeah as long as they don't hit stupid shots crample is not going to do as well probably against theo john if theo john can stay in the game yeah um i'm not super worried about that as a challenge um this isn't a particularly deep team. Not really. Um, they they have a lot of bodies, but none of them are really effective beyond the f- the starting five. And with Zagorowski hurt, it's like even more exacerbated in that way. Um, they basically so Caleb Joseph um, is the only guy that played ten minutes off the bench um, in the last game um, of Syracuse note. Yeah. Um, but like. Cashaw, Froling's little brother, um, Damian Jefferson, like these guys aren't these Did guys Jacob aren't getting Jefferson significant. Jefferson transfer or is he hurt? No, I think he's out for the season. Uh, I'm fairly certain he got injured. Gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, like Caleb Joseph and Damian Jefferson are really the only two that are I'd argue impact. Christian Bishop has been okay, I guess, and Froling has been okay, but they just don't really get the minutes that. Yeah, he's Joseph got Joseph and he's Jefferson got a, really good. Epperson has a back stress fracture, Oof, which is not that, fun. That'll do it. Um, but yeah, so like, it's really Jefferson and Joseph that are the two big bench pieces. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they're Tyshawn Alexander is the is the beating heart of this team. Yeah. Like, if Tyshawn Alexander is not having a good game, it is not easy yeah. for this team to stick around. No, the rest the rest of the game just won't open up. Um, right. Now, if Minson, Minson, uh, Ballack both make five threes, then... It's a problem. But yeah, but uh, if, if you look at, you know, what they've been doing lately, that hasn't really been something that has been a constant for this team. No. Uh, Alexander has been very, very good um, for most of the season when he's been healthy. But, I mean, this team is... It's a good three-point shooting team, um, but they don't you know, deliver night in and night out, um, you know, 50% three-point shooting performances. No. Not that everyone, and not that really anyone in the sport does, but um, I think, I believe when we checked in with them originally, they were by far, like, the best three-point shooting team in the country. Yeah. Um, and now they're outside the top ten. So it, it, it's a good three-point shooting team. Marquette is a better three-point shooting yes, team. Yes, they are. Um, so, you know, it, 
they don't they don't offer matchup challenges necessarily. I don't know how much Joey Hauser will be able to play if they're going to play a center on Crample. I so this this wanted to, I wanted to bring this up in regards to Nova, but we didn't get there. I would love to see if we have both Ed and um, Theo in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the idea of Joey Hauser at the five. Yeah, because we saw yeah. Sam succeed as a small ball five um, a couple years ago. It could work. Yeah, and so I think that like especially against like a team like Nova or Creighton, where wait, like, Sam is a small ball five or four. Just to... uh, no, uh, a couple years ago. Okay, as a small ball five. Because di- didn't he, he he used to spell Fisher every once in a while? Yeah, I think you're right. I just um, that was is a check while me ago. on that. But no, I think you're right. I was just making yeah. sure you weren't saying. No, no, no. He was, but I would love to see the idea of like, like Crample isn't necessarily just a stupid physical back to the back back to the basket post player. Yeah, he's an interesting player. He he can stretch it. He has a jump shot. But and he's not stupid, stupid stronger than Joey is. Yeah. So, like it'd be one thing if like I wouldn't want Joey guarding like a Jesse Govan. Yeah, sure. Or like a like a Nate Watson. But I think that this is a game where like Joey at the five, Sam at the four, and bring out some more yeah, athleticism. So my question before you get into there is, um, if you are playing a lineup with Joey at the five, um, who would you want? Um, who's the extra guy you're throwing in there? Because obviously you're playing the Hauser, Sakar, and Marcus. But I don't the particularly. One? I think I just think that you have one of Chartuni, Riley, and Bailey. Bailey. Why do I keep? I, I it's keep okay. Doing. Brendan Bailey. You have one of Bailey, Chartuni, and Kane. More athletic, quicker, better defenders. Um, guarding one of the smaller players that Creighton's gonna play. Like, yeah. I would much rather have. So Sakar is probably going to stick Tyshawn Alexander. Marcus is going to probably stick Davion Mintz. Like I would much rather have Sam or Zagorowski. Marcus probably be on Zagorowski. Right? Oh, good point. Point guard. Yeah. Um, um, whoever is playing point guard for them, Marcus is going to be on. Sakar yeah. is going to be on Tyshawn Alexander or Mitch Balick. Probably, well, I he, would guess Alexander because well, no, he's if if a Hauser can guard. If Alexander's not on the floor, Mitch Balick. Right. Yeah. Um, but then like. I think Joey at the five and Sam at the four means that like Joey's matching up with Crample, and then you have, I just moved away from Creighton's team page, but like then you have like Sam on say like, I don't know, whoever else they're starting, uh, Mitch Balick I guess, but then you have a, a much faster, much more athletic, much better defender on Davion Mintz or Marcus Zagorowski, whoever is not being covered. So it's just one more length problem, one more defensive problem that Creighton has to solve. Yeah, I mean, the question is, what do you do? Can can Creighton's small guys make Marquette adjust, I guess, is, yeah. is my overall point. And, you know, Joey Hauser really struggled with... Now, there's not a Jermaine Samuels body type on Creighton. No. There's, they don't have, like, a 6'8 guy that can dribble. Um, but... Like, Joey struggled with Samuels last night, and if they can speed Joey up and, I don't know, they might be able to force him out. I'm, but, again, I'm not sure, especially because they shoot so many threes, um, whether that is going to be something they're going to be able to do. And, again, as we said at the top of this, they're really not very good. Um, they have sort of proved over the course of, the co- of conference play that they aren't a very good team. They're, they're almost definitely going to finish under 500. Um, and they're going to miss the tournament. So all these sort of concerns aside, I mean, at the end of the day, Marquette 
has only lost once at home this year by a point to a team that's a terrible matchup for them. So expecting them to, you know, not pull this out would require a, a significant logical leap. Yeah. Um, basically, if you are expecting this to be a loss, I, I want to mm-hmm. talk to you and talk you off the ledge. Yes. Like, I'm not precluding the fact that we might lose. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, if you're walking into this going, we're miserable, Creighton's going to run all over us, let's... Yes, let's stop, folks. Yeah, let's, let's, let's pump the brakes. What teams have you been watching this yeah. season? Um, I guess I don't have much else to say about Creighton. Yeah, I'm good. Um, all right, so we're going to take a break, um, and we will be back um, with the godfather of Anonymous Eagle... Um, Don Corleone. Yeah, Don Corleone himself, Brewtown Andy, um, is going to be uh, our guest, our first guest on the pod. It's it's a big, big, uh, big moment, day. big day, big momentum uh, builder for us. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be right back with that conversation. Okay, so we're back. Um, we have uh, the skipper himself on the line. <laughs> uh, Brewtown Andy has arrived. Um, as the first guest on the Anonymous Eagle podcast. It's pretty fitting. Yeah, if it was somebody else, it probably would have been a problem. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Um, so thank where thank we wanted to start thank you for is... That. Thank you for doing the podcast, too, by the oh, way. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, we do what we, we, do what we can. Um, so I, where we wanted to start was talking about where this team kind of lines up historically... Um, with some of the really good teams that Marquette has had in the past. Um, obviously, you know, the Dwayne Wade team stands out. Um, there was a lot of hype around the James McNeil. Jarrell McNeil. No, no, yeah, no, James, Dominic James. Oh, I, I was like, how did <laughs> no, you get no, that no, wrong? No, 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 trust me. I'm like, I'm not that young. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the James McNeil Matthews is what I was trying to say. My bad. Uh, but where where do you think this team sort of ranks or falls in among some of those uh, older, more uh, somewhat successful teams? Uh, so j- just for context here, because you guys kind of alluded to it. So I've been a season ticket holder uh, since Dwayne Wade's first season of eligibility. Yeah. Uh, literally, my first game as a season ticket holder was his first home game. Uh, it- Impeccable timing. Yes, exactly. Right. Uh, side story. Like, I just like, yeah, sure. Season tickets, whatever. And like, they threw me uh, in the lower bowl, like eight rows off the floor directly across from the visitor's bench, because that's just like the best two seats that were available at the time. They're like, <laughs> here, have them. Who cares? Whatever. So that was where I was that entire 0-1-0-2 season. Incredible. And then the very next summer was a reseeding year. This is back when they did it every three years. And all of a sudden, next year, like, next best seats available are all the way up in row Z. <laughs> oh, wow. Needless <laughs> to say, I think a few alumni may have all of a sudden uh, jumped in sure. and jumped the line on me a little bit with uh, yeah. as far as donations go. That makes sense. Uh, anyway, um, so that's my experience. And I even go back as a fan uh, back to the Jim McElvain era. Like, if you guys remember the video where they'd show – like all the different like notable players in Marquette history, yeah, I sure. name everybody in that video from Mac forward. Okay. So it's a really interesting time to be a Marquette fan because I grew up when it was like a major development that they 
uh, I think it was that Mac team made, made it to the Sweet Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it like it was like making the tournament was a big deal. It wasn't a even uh, a yearly occurrence. It wasn't even a common occurrence at the time. Uh, so uh, when uh, the the Wade thing just like was just completely crazy, basically, and then from there, after a little bit of a blip, Cream put together the three amigos, and all of a sudden, it launched into like the one of the best consistent runs in Marquette history. Uh, so we seem to be at the precipice of a new run like that, at least sure. the way things have been building with uh, Steve Wojciechowski. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pay off something. I had, I forget how the exchange started, but I think, uh, you know, our good dear Twitter friend, Eric Gebhardt, uh, I think it was he who, he was the one who started it, who asked the point about like, how does this team measure up or how does this team, whatever have you. And I immediately had a thought in my head about how I felt about a team kind of at this point of the season. And I had already had it before he asked it. And it popped into my head, and I have the same feeling now. And I want to make this. I want to make this clear. I'm not predicting the same results, but how I feel about this team right now, this year's team, this is exactly how I felt in 2003. Sure. Yeah, I guess I can understand that. And you know, with Marcus and Wade are obviously different kind of players but you've got a similar vibe around them. Yep. Maybe the awareness of Marcus is even bigger than it was around Wade. I don't know. Well, I've always heard that he sort of it goes deeper came than- out of nowhere in the tournament, right, a little bit, uh, as far as national recognition. Uh, it, it, see, it, it even goes deeper than just, like, the Marcus and Wade comparison. Uh, it's not as quite as big of an impact, but you've got a dominant... Uh, figure in the center with Theo John mm-hmm. and Jackson. You've got, uh, um, you know. <laughs> Novak and Sam are probably the easiest comp. I was world. thinking that, but then I was, I was thinking that, but then I was trying to find a comparison for Travis Diener then. And it doesn't really work. Uh, so I was yeah. trying, thinking maybe just, you know, blonde Wisconsin kids. <laughs> uh, but it, there's, it, it, there's pieces in place. They uh, they both emphasize and unify with uh, the star player. There's that's a lot going on all at the same time, and it all funnels in one really super positive direction. Mm-hmm. I I, I would say. Oh, um, go ahead. Uh, the, the 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 three amigos thing. It. it you have to remember that that sort of came out of a surprising place. Uh, everybody remembers the, the final fourth Wade, but Marquette missed the tournament the next two years. And then the third year was the first year in the Big East and the Three Amigos freshman year. Hmm. I remember having uh, uh, conversations with people and they told me I was crazy at the time. But like the fact of the matter is, is I really think and and maybe it would have taken like two or three more years, but if the three amigos didn't hit, and not even like as well as they did, but even just like even like one step down from that, if they didn't hit and immediately produce results from Crean, 
there's no way he survives three years in the Big East. Like mm-hmm. that, the first Big East game, that that Novak game against Connecticut, like, they were freshmen then. Like they needed to be that good because I don't know how long Marquette would have been willing to let Crean survive, given that he had had time to recruit into the Big East. So their entire run, to a certain extent, to me at least, like was always slightly surprising when they just suddenly jumped in. And we're like, hey, yeah, we're 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 a competitor. We're a content, not, maybe not a title contender, but we're a team that's going to stand around here and make noise all the time in the Big East, just showing up like that. It was it was really impressive. Let's be honest. Another question I kind of had is. I was having a conversation the other day with someone on Twitter about how I haven't really criticized Steve Wojciechowski in a really long time. Um, He's, I think, really improved this year. Obviously, his talent has helped him, too. How do you feel about Wojo right now? And since you were already talking about Kareen, um, how do you feel he sort of compares to Kareen and Buzz? Um, okay, so first I just want to throw out a disclaimer, I guess, on it, which is I struggle, especially, you know, writing stuff for the site. I struggle with X's and O's stuff for sure, as far as like seeing it instantly and breaking it down instantly. I, I can't do that just blank off the top of my head. Um, so my issue with being super critical one way or another, as far as any of the coaches go, is hard for me because I never know where the line is between this is what they want to do, this is what he's saying to them, this is what they think they're doing, and this is what they're actually doing. Does that make sense? Sure. So like, I, there's a famous story from when uh, Todd Mayo was on the team with Buzz, and he hit a shot late in the game at I don't remember exactly who it was against, but he hit a shot late in the game that essentially won the game for Marquette, coming out of a timeout. And whatever he was doing during the timeout, after it was over, he turned to Jamie McNeely, uh, who wasn't even an assistant coach. He was just a grad assistant uh, or special assistant to to Buzz or whatever his title was. He wasn't an official one of the three assistant coaches. He turns to McNeely and says, what am I supposed to be doing? And McNeely just says to him, just get open. So, to be fair, I don't know if Todd Mayo really committed so a ton of plays to memory, but so is that coaching? Is that player yeah. doing? Where's where's the line there? Like, is that Buzz instilling good concepts in him beforehand, so he knows what to do to get open? Is that just luck? Is that you know player development? Is that the like quintessential Todd Mayo story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely is that. Yeah, right. So th- th- that's where I come down on, on coaching, I, I, which is relative to the idea of I haven't criticized Steve Wojciechowski in a while. I, I'm not going to say I haven't been critical of him, but I also, like I said, I just don't know sometimes where stuff is. Like, I don't know. My belief has always been that his defensive mindset and, and what he's been trying to do on defense has been not the problem. 
if you go back and look at his first year when he had veteran players, just not any stars, they were a really good defensive team. You know, Juan mm-hmm. Inch and uh, uh, Derek Wilson, those guys, they were really good on defense because they were veteran college players who knew what they were doing. And Wojo didn't suddenly forget how to coach defense in the next three years. So was it bad the last two years? Yeah, it was. But I don't think that's his fault. I don't think he's suddenly doing something wrong or different. Well, should he have maybe changed something to try to find a thing, something that would have worked better uh, with his team? Yeah, maybe, probably even. Was he trying to? I'm going to guarantee he was trying. Like, mm-hmm. it, it sounds insane to even consider the fact that a guy getting paid a million and a half dollars a year is just bullheadedly going, nope, we're going to do this, and if we lose, too bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I remember going back to... Uh, so you know how um, Pain Touches is pointed out, and uh, you know how... Um, and Ben Steele's pointed out, too, how good Wojo is coming out of timeouts as far as yeah, the yeah. goes. I distinctly remember beating my head against the wall because every single time, and maybe it doesn't pay off in like the long term, right? but I remember constantly in big moments when a team needed a bucket coming out of a timeout, Kareem's teams wouldn't do it. Mm. Now, it would never look like broken play, and they never look confused as what they're doing, but they just didn't score. I remember this happening over and over. Just as soon as like he'd call timeout to get a play set up, and it wouldn't work. I just I remember this happening. I can't you know refer to specific games because it's been you know what ten years now. Yeah. Uh, but this is a thing I really remember about him. Um, Buzz is a unique figure, to say the least. And sometimes I don't know where coaching ends and motivation starts with him, if that makes sense. No, that is one of the more accurate ways to say it, I would say. Yeah. So uh, nobody gets to where he is uh, from where he came from without having a clue as to what they're doing as far as like exits and those coaching goes. But I don't – every single thing that he was really ever lauded for as, as a coach at Marquette was how tough his teams were and how tough they were both physically and as far as mindset goes. Um, I don't know if that's just him, you know, throwing Jimmy Butler out of, out of practice two times a week as the story <laughs> to go. And so Jimmy just got tougher and tougher as a result of it, and that just spread throughout the team because that's who Jimmy is. And mm-hmm. that's X's and O's. But my general sense of it is is that uh, Wojo is doing a better job as far as X's and O's than Buzz was. And I know probably people are going to get very upset when they hear me say that, given the success that Buzz had, but I think Buzz's whole deal... Uh, relied on toughness, and yeah, when Buzz no. decided he wanted to quit his job, things went <sighs> south because he stopped being tough on his team, and then so they stopped being tough to play against. Theory or fact? Yeah, <laughs> um, I agree, I agree with you though. Um, Buzz's teams always felt sort of like a culture, 
um, where he would get guys that responded to that kind of tough love and hard-nosed stuff. I mean, he was notorious for the uh, junior college transfers, guys that were unheralded, and he sort of just molded, basically. Yep. And, yeah, and I think it was always sort of said about him that his teams were tough and played hard, but weren't the most technically gracious or graceful, excuse me. I mean, it's not even a secret. I mean, you can look at what's happened to the team's shooting since Wojo took over. <laughs> like, uh, I've yeah. got the, the Kempom history page up right now. Uh, Buzz's last three teams, his last four teams at Marquette, all shot under 35% from three. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. 34 9, 33 7, 29 6. That went to the Elite Eight and won a Big East title. <laughs> <laughs> and 32 1. That's stupid. Oh my God. Well, here's the, here's the really stupid part that 29 6, the, the, the team that went to the Elite Eight, the Vanderpool, Jameel Wilson team, that was the 24th most efficient offense in the country. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Because Devont didn't Devonte Gardner make literally everything on the low block that year? Yeah. Or like every time he touched yeah. the ball, he made a field goal. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's how that's how you get there. When like basically every single offensive rebound he got turned into two points. That's yeah. how you end up with an efficient offense. Yeah. Well, I just think the overall point is you don't see a Wojo team getting knocked out of a tournament by shooting like. Three for thirty, or whatever they did against Syracuse that one time. Um, that's well, you know what? And the thing with mess, the thing that's messed up about that one is that, like, they know they knew Syracuse. Like Buzz knew Syracuse <laughs> at that point. They, in fact, had beaten Syracuse on February twenty fifth at the Bradley. Yeah. Like I was there for that. I skipped chemistry for that. <laughs> <laughs> this was a Monday. Was that the? Yep. Oh, that was the James Sutherland game, wasn't it? Yep. Oh my god! I remember that game was a that game was dumb. That uh, for those of you who were not fans back in 2013, uh, Mar- Marquette had a lead late, and Syracuse had the ball, and it basically turned into like the last five minutes of the Villanova game that we just watched, mm. uh, where James where James Sutherland missed a three hilariously. It bounced hilariously off the rim. Syracuse got it and just threw it back to him. I don't. I forget. If it was I remember this now. Or but he missed either three or four consecutive threes, I think from pretty much the exact same spot on the floor, and just come clang, 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 clang. And finally, Marquette got a rebound and basically won the game. That makes that the Jake Thomas game, too, Yeah, that right? was the Jake Thomas okay. four-point play game, which is yeah. like, I still remember as a freshman that year um, being front row for that because, like I said, I had skipped all my afternoon classes and waited in line instead because I was a good student. Mm-hmm. Um and absolutely losing my mind because that happened like three feet in front of me at the time. Oh yeah, because it was on. It would have been on that end. Yeah, it was so loud. Yeah, that was the. I would argue that's probably the loudest I had ever heard the Bradley Center in my time going to games. I'm sure it's happened other times, but no, I, I think that's what everyone who I went to school with points to when you ask them that question. That's yeah, that's probably the loudest game there. I. 
the only issue is that like because the same year wasn't that same year the junior Kadugan Yukon game where he hit the three at the buzzer to win it. Yeah, that so was that, um, wasn't it? What was that? The, are you talking about the game where he tied it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He tied it on like a really that, long that was three. game. Yeah, because that was like that was like the first Big East game. It was over like Christmas break. Uh, yeah, eighty-two seventy-six in overtime. So yep. that would have been it. Yeah, I get. Apparently, from the people I know that were there for that, it was a really obviously it's a really good game. I would like to think that was the loudest, but it was over winter break, so nobody was there. Yeah, definitely not. Um, do you add anything you want to ask? Uh, I, I mean, now that we've kind of covered some of the historical context of how Wojo's doing and how, how we think this team maybe stacks up. Um, Andy, g- general thoughts on the uh, the season so far and maybe some thoughts going forward? This, uh, <laughs> okay, let's, let's stick with this. Um, <clears throat> I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Um, I, I, go ahead. I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and roll around in it for a while. I told you so. Go ahead over to Paint Touches. It's still pinned to their front page <laughs> titled Marquette Media Predictions. Scroll to the Anonymous Eagle one. That's my picks. 25 and 5, first in the Big East, to see the NCAA tournament. Look at how, look at the picks. You're not going to get that last one. I know. I was wrong on the St. John's home game. I was wrong on the Providence road game. I was wrong on the Butler away game. Mm-hmm. And the, the two seed. And the, you're not going to get five. I predicted 25 and 5. <laughs> Andy's just lording it over us now. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think people were just cautious because they hadn't really seen... Consistency? Yeah, a a top 25 caliber team under Wojo. I realized I was really out of pocket on that. (laughs) Yeah, you were. (laughs) And and I have defended my picks on that uh, to this day based on one simple reason. And this is the connection to 2003. And I'll explain this in a second. Um, I didn't believe in anybody else. Um, we all knew, like, we've had the convers- these conversations. Uh, you can, like, go back and listen to the Scrambled Eggs podcast about how, well, you know, the Big East is going to be down next year, so let's just get through this year, and things will be better next year. Like, it, everyone kept saying this, because Villanova's going to lose all these guys. Xavier's going to lose all these guys. Blah, 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 blah. And then we finally got around to, you know, September, October, and you're just sitting here looking at it going, nobody's any good. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to believe in anybody here. And that's why I ended up picking, that um, doesn't have the, the actual Big East record on here, but that's how I ended up picking that record. Uh, uh, that's how I ended up there. So, Looks um, like you picked 14 and 4. Uh one, two, three. Yeah, fourteen and four. Yeah, so which I can still get, and in fact, they can actually they, beat me. Think about that. I think it's going to be fifteen and three or fourteen and four at this point, and you have a good shot at it. Yep. Uh, so this this is getting back to, um, like I said about the two thousand three team. Um. So I and. If, <laughs> 
I could go, I could open up the door here and it will make a gigantic noise and it'll ruin the recording. But my wife's in the next room and she can verify this. I picked Marquette to the final four in 2003 because I, the way I do my bracket is I just go down one side of each region and pick each game, kick back to the top and pick a game, you know, bop, 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 pick the next ones and just, then I end up with whoever's going to the final four, right? Um, so I don't like pre-decide who's going to win. I just be like, oh, who's going to win the five twelve game? Who's going to win the four thirteen game? Boop 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 down the line. And every single time, you know, I picked Marquette. To, there were three, if I remember correctly. Right? That sounds right. We double check because I have it right here. Yes, they were three seeds. So you know, oh yeah, they're going to beat Holy Cross. Okay, and then whatever the I had whatever I picked for the next round. Yeah, they're going to beat those guys for sure. Yeah, they're going to beat those guys for sure. I got to Marquette, Kentucky, and I said, I don't believe in this Kentucky team. Marquette. I did. I picked it. Um, and again, I realized at this point I sound like a crazy person because Kentucky was, in fact, the top seed in the tournament. <laughs> yeah. But I, my handle on Kentucky at the time, and I realized this is, you know, 2003, uh, partially youthful hubris and partially I had way less of an idea of as to what was going on in college basketball just because it was 2003 and not 2019. Uh, but I just didn't believe in Kentucky at all. So I picked Marquette, which is the same thing as how I picked 14 and four. I just didn't believe that anybody was good enough to beat Marquette. So that's how we got to here. That's where my, I have this same feeling about this team part comes from. Sure. We were talking about uh, Villanova, obviously, earlier on the pod. Curious what you make of Villanova this year. Um, they are horribly broken. <laughs> wow. Pulling no punches. Um, and, and here's the thing. I think, Sam, I think it was you who posited the question the other day before Marquette played them that it was possible that uh, that Marquette had broken Villanova. They didn't. Villanova's been bad for a while now. Just nobody had caught them yet. They were bad against Georgetown. They were bad against Creighton. And finally Marquette beat them, and they were still bad. And they had a blip back up after that. They beat Providence, and then they just kept being bad. And they were bad last night. Mm -hmm. They were no good. And if it wasn't for the fact that, I mean, was there a better explanation of what happened in that game than Marcus coming off the bench after sitting with four fouls and his first three-point attempt literally slips out of his hands and shoots 15 feet in the air? <laughs> that, that was literally a perfect gift moment. It's some yakety sacks behind it. Literally. It was a perfect encapsulation in three seconds of exactly how that game went for Marquette. Villanova had no business winning that game, and Marquette, since they didn't have steel, Villanova didn't have steals, Marquette didn't actually literally hand it to them because they were busy throwing it out of the mounds or running into other dudes and committing charges. Uh, but if I were a Villanova fan... I would not be expecting to see this team get to the round of 32. Ooh. All right. Well, so 
I really don't think that we're going to see them again this season either. Oh, interesting. That is a that is that is an interesting take. I'm not. Well, if they end up with the two seed and St. John's ends up with the three seed, yep, I think you could be right in that way. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because right now it has. Right now we can't play them again until the title game anyway. It's right. either us or them as the one or the two. Yeah. So it's, it has to be that, which means we won't see them at all until the championship game. And there's no way that I think that they can win two games in two days shooting like they have been for the last, um, what is it now? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. They're bad. Yeah. I still think they will need the right, like, I don't know if it's going to be like an 11 seed or whatever to match up against them for them to not get a win in the tournament. But I don't, I mean, they basically either make the title game and win it or lose in the second round every year anyways. So probably losing the second round this year. So right now, Bracket Matrix has them in the sevens, which means that they would get a 10 in the second. They would get a 10 in the first round, right? Yeah. Right, and that's kind of a toss-up almost. Okay, check this out. Here's the four tens right now. TCU, VCU, North Carolina State, and go ahead and bet the house if this comes together on Villanova. Ohio State. Yes. There is no way Holtman loses to them. Oh, that's <laughs> that's bold. See, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come in swinging right now. And um, yeah, but Nova's been broken for a while. Um, I think nobody can argue that. But I think one of my big takes is that they're going to come in, and you know, somebody said this on Twitter. I don't remember who. But I think Nova's going to come in maybe a little underseeded. And yes, I know they're going to like they're going to deserve the seed they get because of how bad they have been playing. But I think somehow Jay Wright finds a gear for them, and I think that they'll win their first round game and then like be like the Wisconsin team of a couple of years ago that knocked off Nova in the one eight matchup um, and sort of surprised somebody in the second round. So I think Nova's a Sweet 16 team. I think then they're going to hit a buzzsaw of whoever they have to play after that. But um, I think that Nova can surprise, especially like, yeah, they beat us last night. Are you saying that they can beat a two seed? I think they can beat a two seed. If if Phil Booth doesn't go three of 18 from the field, if Eric Paschal doesn't go two of nine from the field, I think that they can, they can beat good teams. Um, I mean, I think that if you... Gave them another shot at Michigan, they'd probably be in trouble. But I think they could That's probably exactly about to say Michigan's a two. Well, I th- I think if they get matched up against like a cold Michigan State um, on the two line, um, maybe if Houston sneaks up to a two and uh, Houston's defense is really good. Don't get me wrong, but um, if they just have like I think Nova can have a lights out shooting game against a two seed and compete. So, um, I that's that's just me coming in. That that that's my hot take is I think Nova can be a Sweet Sixteen team. I don't know. I, I think I side more with Andy on this one. Shooting slump. It's Sorry, I just I, I'm giving Jay Wright credit until he doesn't deserve it anymore. Maybe that's probably fair. 
But uh, Andy, I guess um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up pretty quick. Um, any final thoughts for everybody else before we uh, we call it a day? Um. Yeah, one. I'm gonna go ahead and say it again because I like saying it again. Uh, this team is about to win a Big East championship. They have three tries to get two wins or a win and a Villanova loss, and they're going to be Big East champions. At that point, the Big East tournament is just for fun and games. They can't really move much more on seeding as far as that goes. And the NCAA tournament is a crapshoot. You can have a fantastic performance and have a, a, a look that look, they should win on their first round game, regardless of, I, you know what? I'm not even going to say regardless of who it is, because uh, right now, South Dakota State's a 14 seed. And if you think Mike Dom can't put up a Mike Dom against yeah. Marquette, you're wrong. Um, but the, it's definitely tournaments of crapshoot if they don't make the Sweet 16. The season was awesome. If they don't make the Elite Eight. The season was awesome. Well, the season was awesome. I remind you very, very clearly Marcus Howard is going to break the single season scoring record on Sunday against Creighton. And, and he's going to have two more regular season games to go. <laughs> That's absurd. Took 35 games to break Dwayne Wade's 33-game single-season scoring record, and he only got past it by six points. Mm-hmm. Andrew Rousey is three points. Or, uh, Mark Howard is three points behind Wade right now, and Sunday will be his 29th game of the year. Yeah, that's what he's doing. This season has been amazing. No matter what happens between now and I don't, I don't even know when the national championship game is. April, like usually tenth or something like that, right? Yeah. It's the weekend before that, I think. This year, right? So it starts late, though. Yeah, everything's a week later this year. Um, yeah. So I'm just rounding off just to get the point across. <laughs> um, whatever happens between now and April fifteenth, it's all gravy as far as I'm concerned. The season has been great. I've loved every single second of it. I hope you all have too. And the best part about it, again, no matter what happens over the next six weeks, is Wojo's going to roll this exact same team out again next year. Yes. Exactly. It's a great way to punctuate it. Yep. All right. Uh, So, I guess with that being said, I... Also, read anonymouseagle.com. Yeah, that. Uh, with that being <laughs> said, I think we're going to sign off for the day. Or yeah. The time. We'll probably get back to you guys on next Tuesday. So record next Monday um, after the Creighton game with some thoughts. Um, and then uh, until then, uh, you know, oh, be one, good. One last oh, thing. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, a quick reminder, because I'm going to go ahead and uh, shout out to our own, uh, our own uh, content and so on and so forth. Sure. The women's team has already won a Big East championship. Yeah. <laughs> they have already locked up the number one seed in the tournament. Yeah. Be down at Wintrust Arena. If you're in the Chicagoland area or even, you know, up here in the Milwaukee area, 
try to find your way down to Wintrust to go see them, to go cheer them to win the Big East Tournament. They are on the verge of locking up hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA Tournament at the McGuire Center. If they come through on that, if they are a four seed or better, buy tickets and go. It's going yeah. to be bananas. The team has yeah. never, ever been to a Sweet 16, and they are going to get a golden opportunity to do it. Yeah, we probably haven't talked enough about them uh, on the podcast. So, yeah, shout out to the women's team. They've been incredible. Um, they just had someone get hurt, right? Davenport, that, yeah. Davenport is done for the year with a... Uh, mm. Ouch. But I guess um, in the interim, until we come back to you guys, go watch the women's team, go support the women's team. Um, yeah. And like Andy said, the season's already been incredible. We're going to trot the same lineup out next year. Let's enjoy what we can. Um, and as the person who panics all the time <laughs> and doesn't know how to be positive, I'm pretty positive about the season already. So... Until next time.